Please join me for a word of prayer. The words and the music, the music and the words, Lord Jesus, they, they cut through. Uh, it's the beauty of the handbells where the songs of the hymn ring in the back of our minds or the marvelous words of Martin Franzman's hymn. Either way, you fill our souls and you draw us to lean into you and to lean into one another and then you provide your word which speaks to our brains but also has a marvelous way of speaking to our hearts and souls. And so we pray that the meditations of our hearts and the words of the preacher's mouth today would be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If you'd like to follow along a little bit in the bulletin, that might be helpful today. As we work a little bit through Matthew chapter 5 and, 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 and look at the, at the, the second part of, of Jesus' sermon. Pastor Constine would, would say, and Pastor Constine was here in the, in the late 80s to the mid-90s, he would always say, Tim, you don't need to be so arrogant as to think that every person remembers every word that you ever said. <laughs> you know, at 28 years old, that was probably a super good thing to hear. And I've preached thousands of sermons to probably hundreds of thousands of people over the course of time. And, 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 and how many are memorable? Oh, don't answer that. But you, you, you wonder, don't you? And it seems like that's kind of how it works. The spotlight goes on, the person enters the stage, and the spotlight goes out, the person leaves the stage. And like so many Super Bowl winners and losers, you just don't, they just kind of come and go. And unless you're a Broncos fan, if I asked who won the Super Bowl last year, you'd say, well, uh, 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 the Broncos. But if I say, who won the Super Bowl in 1986, unless you were a Packer fan, you would say, I don't know. And it might have even been 87, but they lost one and won one right there. It just kind of comes and goes. History has a way of doing that. It, it ebbs and it flows, and it ebbs and it flows. And, and we live in the midst of that, obviously enough. We, we live in times of, of great calm and peace, and then we live in moments in history like now where it's chaotic, where every time you turn on your computer or every time you turn on the TV or every time you turn on your radio or your podcast or whatever, it, it just seems to be so crazy. We say, where's God? What is God doing in all this kind of nutty mess? What, what have we gotten ourselves into? Have we gotten into a, a mess that we can't get out of? Or are we in such a place in the world that it's just going to be like this until Jesus comes back and we'll gather together in a little dark place and say, Amen, come Lord Jesus. The answer to that is no, unless that's God's will and God's plan. But there are those moments in history where someone stands up and brings clarity and a word. See if you remember these words, if you can finish this. I have a dream. Martin Luther King Jr. said that. Or how about this one? Ask not what your country can do for you, rather ask what you could do for your country. How about, how about that? Jesus' sermon, our text from Matthew chapter 5, is by far and away the best sermon ever preached in the history of all humankind. It's been read and looked at by billions of people. It's been preached and re-preached millions of times 
at least. And Jesus takes long-held ways of life and turns them away from judgment and this kind of strict religious obedience and in, into grace and into the warmth and kindness, the manner in which God is disposed towards people. And he speaks of weak and painful things of life that he says are, are blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, the merciful. And then our rabbi Jesus leads us into the words today, words that are in your gospel reading. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are the city on a hill. And when Jesus says you are, you better believe you are. It's not a subjunctive mood. He does not say you may or may not be. It could be, maybe. He says, this is what you are. And he's 30 seconds into his message. You remember the first Super Bowl you ever saw? You remember? I do. I do. I remember. It was a part of growing up. It was a part of sitting with my dad. And part of the reason why I, I, I like the Packers so much is because it reminds me of my dad. We had a black and white TV. And the first Super Bowl I remember was Super Bowl seven. I was nine, and we lived in Flagstaff. We had a black and white TV. Now, how many people remember black and white TVs? <laughs> Over in the auditorium, there'd be two going, oh my gosh, I'm listening to my kids sing, you know. Black and white TV was something else. It wasn't like now where you turn on a 70-inch TV and you've got an HD thing and 8 million channels. If you don't like it, you change it. For the national championship game, they had HD for the Alabama team, HD for the Clemson team, then an ESPN group of just knuckleheads talking, and then the other thing on Channel 11. Take your pick. But in Flagstaff, at Super Bowl seven. It was the Miami Dolphins versus the Cowboys. If you remember, the Dolphins were 14-0 going in, and they eventually won it. But I remember in Flagstaff, we only had three TV channels. Three, and one was PBS. That didn't count. <laughs> there were knobs on these TVs. And if you grew up like I did, my father would say, don't touch the knobs on the front of the TV. Well, one was a brightness knob, and when you twisted it, it went wah, 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 and it went from gray to black and gray to black and gray to black. And you kind of found a brightness that everything worked in. And then one may have been a horizontal hold, and one may have been a vertical hold, and Google that if you don't know what it is. But, <laughs> but then there was the contrast button. And my father said, when I have this contrast button set the way I want it, don't you touch that contrast button. It was like the tree in the garden of good Eve. We weren't going to touch that for all of it. We knew that dead men finished on, on that once. We never touched the contrast knob. And he knew if we did. Because the contrast was the piece that made the darker pieces darker and the lighter pieces lighter. And made them obviously contrast against one another so you could see what the fuzzy black and white figures were trying to do on your TV. And that's what Jesus is talking about here, about contrast. In a world where people kind of want to blend in, Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, it's going to be different than that. If you're going to follow me, we're going to turn the contrast up a bit. You see, in a bland, rotting world, you're going to be my salt. You're going to be my zest, and you're going to be my preserving agent. You're going to be the very best of my heart. 
as we bring in this kingdom of heaven thing. You are the salt. And he says, you're the light. When it's dark, you're the light. In dark places, you're going to stand out, so get ready. In dark times, you Christians are going to stand out, so get ready. You don't put a city on a hill and then rather you put the city on the hill and turn the lights on and everybody sees it from miles around. But people love to blend in. People love bland. I laugh so hard when we met with people from the Midwest and they say, well, we kind of like our food bland. How do you like yours? I said, the hotter the better. Bland is boring. God doesn't call us to bland lives. He calls us to seasoned lives. Lives that are seasoned with grace and kindness and love and encouragement. And this marvelous preserving agent, this marvelous confidence and faith in God that when things are chaotic around us, we say, yeah, I'm with the one on the cross. I'm with Jesus. And you tried to smoke him. But guess what? I have confidence. The light of the world, the salt of the earth, the city standing on a hill, that's what you are. It'll be fun to watch the people blend in. When the patriots do something good, all of the people dressed in red will go, And when Falcons do good, the people in black will go, and then there'll be a few wingnuts, right? There's always a few wingnuts. How many people remember the rainbow-wigged guy with the John 3.16 thing, right? Camera found his way. Now, one guy in a a sea of 75,000 people, the one knucklehead gets himself on the camera. He doesn't blend in. He sticks out. He's contrasted to all the people who kind of want to do all the same thing at all the same time. Christ calls his hearers. Our rabbi calls us today to that contrast. To stand strong when things are crazy. To be light when things are dark. To be confident when people are fearful to have peace when it seems like the world is filled with conflict. You see, you are set apart. You are called of God and you belong to God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so those pieces from Matthew 5, 1 to 12 become very real for you. You see strength and weakness. You see hope in painful pieces of life. You see restoration in brokenness. I remember two years ago going to listen to a man named Ed Stetzer. And if you follow his Twitter feed, it's kind of funny. It's equal parts sports and politics and craziness and religion. And he writes for Christianity Today. I'll never forget him saying at the Great Commission Summit at Concordia University, which is a fantastic event and a fantastic university. Marvelous partners with us in the gospel. Ed Stetzer said, people only come in two varieties, lost and broken. Lost and broken. And as Christians, we're called to see 
the light and the rescue that comes in Christ in the light. And then to have faith that God puts broken lives and broken people back together again. I guess if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be preaching the gospel this morning. I guess if I didn't believe that God could take broken hearts and put them back together, I wouldn't be here. And if I wasn't convinced that light moves over darkness and that through weakness, God shows strength, then we might as well give it up. And so those words are beautiful of Matthew 5, 1 to 13. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, as Christians, part of the contrast is, is where things are dark, we still are the light. And where things are decaying, we are still the agent, the salt of preservation. And as Christians, part of what makes us different is finding value in things that seem weak. And that's okay because it shows that our strength is from the Lord God Almighty. And we will persevere because he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. That last verse of our text, and you may want to look at that for just a minute. It's got a little 20 in front of it and it says these words. <coughs> For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Great. Now what? Now where do we turn? Now what do we do? It's all nice and philosophical. Until he says you've got to be better than them. Except that them inside of their hearts were pretty rough. There are some preachers that will die for their hearers. The early church is littered with martyrs who were pulled out of their churches, stoned and killed. Every apostle died a martyr's death, save John, right? The righteousness of God comes to us through faith in Jesus Christ. Very few preachers would die for their people, except the rabbi who spoke at the Sermon on the Mount that day. 
took the broken pieces of his hears and us, took the lost and dark pieces of his hears that day and of our souls, and all of those things were gathered into Jesus and resolved at the cross as the rabbi died for those who listened three years down the road. And those marvelous words of promise, unless your righteousness is bigger than the Pharisees and these guys, then... And then he died to make us righteous, completely righteous, holy and perfect before God. Our sins forgiven, our lives aligned in Christ on the cross. The rabbi didn't merely talk righteousness. He didn't say, well, it'd be nice if you just do all those things I tell you. The rabbi gave his life for his learners. He didn't just talk a good game, beat his chest and say, yeah, I'm number one. No, rather, he took a cross on his shoulders. He went up a hill called Calvary and he died. And there he screamed, it is finished. And when he screamed, it is finished, the sins of the world, the broken, dark things of life were resolved. And the teacher became the greatest object lesson that there ever was. He died for us and finished it so that the kingdom of heaven and the door to the kingdom of heaven opens to you and me. Your righteousness surpasses all humanity because it has been given to you in Christ. So live a seasoned, salty life. Be that agent of grace in your relationships. Fill your soul with good, salty pieces of the word. And let your light shine. Simple. Shake a hand. Offer kindness. Be an encouraging spirit rather than a judgmental one. Lean into people in a gracious manner. Put a smile on your face and let people know by the light that shines in you that no matter the darkness, the chaos, or the violence, you're with Jesus, 100% confident. And let your light shine. Amen.